We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. here at setting the pace i'm joined by the one and only michael the terry taylor hater fachi fachi what's going on brother never in your life oh please no. you never had him 11 on your list of most important pacers come on man like i was listening back to that and i still can't believe how disrespectful you were to that man well guys a funny story <laughs> over here we'll share it Terry Taylor's agent listened to that episode, texted me after and said, you got Terry 11th on the list, and my jaw dropped. I literally was like, oh, my God, there goes getting Terry on the show. But uh, no, no, I, I listened back, and I was like, look, there were some factors that I put in over there. That yeah, factors. That decision. But, Alex, feels good to have you back. We got <laughs> the you. band back together. The boys are back, however you want to put it. Man. I'm excited to talk some Pacer basketball today with you. Absolutely. I love how you quickly deflected that so you didn't get any hate messages from Terry's agent. Um, when you sent me that, I was laughing. You said there were some factors, but I just think it's straight up hate, Fudge. Let's just be real. You're drinking the Terry Taylor haterade, but have no fear. I had Terry higher, and that's why I didn't get a text message because, you know, <laughs> I, I at least put some respect on that man's name, as they say. So, uh, anyway, Fudge, let's move on. We're just kidding, obviously. But, Tell the people uh, what we're talking about today and who we have coming on. Woo, we got a fun one. We got Bob Kravitz coming on from The Athletic. Bob had a report last week about the Pacers and Lakers, you know, rumored trade. Buddy Heald, Miles Turner for Russell Westbrook, 2027 first-round pick. I believe there might have been some Taylor Horton Tucker in there and, you know, some, some loose change here and there depending on what you hear. But Bob really broke it down, and he said some other stuff that you guys are going to want to tune in for. I'm not going to play spoiler, but Alex, the man was dropping some knowledge on us. Yeah, I mean, he had a conversation with Kevin Pritchard, 
So I think anytime you talk to the president, you get some really good insight. And, you know, depending on what they say and how they say, it, you can kind of determine what's real, what's not real, that kind of thing. You can kind of read through the, you know, the talking around, like I talk about with Kevin Pritchard, because we know he's great at that. But, you know, Bob Kravitz has been really doing a great job. I think he was one of the first ones with Shams to report that the Pacers were looking to kind of rebuild or retool the roster back last December before all this stuff happened. So um, whether you don't like Bob's opinion on things or not, I feel like his reporting has been pretty credible in terms of letting people know what's going on with the organization. Bob's been around Indianapolis for a long time. I, I think since like 2000. So he's been here for about 20 plus years and, you know, uh, he's, he's worked for the Indy star and stuff like that. So I, I trust Bob that he's going to be a fair reporter. I really don't think he has it out to get anybody. Like there's been some people that wondered if he did. I don't, I don't buy that, but in terms of, you know, talking about Turner and buddy, I mean, me and Fachi both asked about some of the other veterans on this team trying to figure out their long-term future and some of the young players that have expiring contracts coming up, what their future could be like as well. And we also talked about the biggest takeaways from this Kevin Pritchard conversation that he had. So I think Fachi, uh, we really got some great insight in terms of what could happen within the next couple of months before the season starts and then maybe before the trade deadline. Absolutely. Look, changes will be made. That is a guarantee because, you know, we touched on it. The Pacers aren't even meeting the minimum you know, salary cap requirements right now. So the, a move has to be in the works at some point. But, you know, it's just a matter of time. But I think overall, I mean, he really talked about the reluctancy to enter a rebuild and the fact that he even felt that, hey, I feel like this is what the fans want. This is what they should be supporting. And I've said it before. Hey, guys, this is what we wanted. So <laughs> now we got to we gotta live with it. We got to show our support. We got to say, hey, look, yeah, it's not going to be this year, but I'm still going to be behind this team. And that's where I stand. Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, Terry Taylor's agent, I just got a picture of Terry Taylor working out. He is punching a punching bag with Fachi's face on it because he's got so much motivation. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to let Fachi call Terry's agent right now to kind of work things out as we take a quick break. Bob Kravitz will be right with us after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Joining us now to talk a little bit about the Indiana Pacers and what's been going on behind the scenes is Bob Kravitz. So, Bob, thanks so much for joining us. Sure, my pleasure. Absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, it's been pretty quiet since the DeAndre Ayton stuff went down, and we've kind of been waiting here to see what the Pacers could do. Um, they still have not signed Kendall Brown to a contract. I've heard they're going to make that a two-way deal, but not sure if that's accurate or not. But um, looks like they could have a roster spot open, but. Right now, it seems like there has been some talks based off your reporting with the Los Angeles Lakers and, and the Pacers are semi-interested in getting two picks from them. But uh, just kind of talk me through what you've, what, you've, what you've heard from the Pacers side, I guess, of things in terms of this Lakers-Pacers deal that you t- uh, reported about. Yeah, basically, um, the, the Lakers are offering Westbrook and his expiring contract, which I think is like 40-something million, 47 million, 47-1. And... Uh, a, uh, a first round draft pick in 2027 and the Pacers are like, wait a minute, you know, Miles Turner is worth a first rounder. I don't think there's any question or Miles Turner and Buddy Heel combined. And then the way they see it, taking Westbrook off the hands of the Lakers is worth a first rounder as well. So they, they're holding out for two first rounders who, by the way, would be 2027 and 2029. Uh, I don't think Pritchard will still be here uh, <laughs> when that happens. I'll be long retired. But, uh, you know, they want two first-round picks uh, and the expiring contract uh, in, in exchange for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. I think it's perfectly reasonable, and I don't, I don't blame the Pacers for rejecting that idea. Yeah, I don't blame them one bit either. I think two first-round picks has to be the starting point. Now, I think all Pacer fans or the clear majority feels that if the Pacers were to acquire Russell Westbrook, they would work towards a buyout. Do we feel oh, yeah. that that is that definite that that's oh, yeah. the Okay, just want to make sure because yeah, Michael uh, Russell Michael Westbrook Russell Westbrook Michael Westbrook was a wide receiver for Colorado a million years ago. Okay, <laughs> Russell Westbrook will not play uh, one possession for the Indiana Pacers, if that trade had been made, yes. Because I figure, basically, I'm going off of the John Wall buyout because the contract was very similar, $47 million and change. Wall received about 42 out of the $47 million in his buyout with the Houston Rockets. Do you imagine we're probably looking at the same thing if the Pacers are to negotiate a buyout with Russ? Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know what the, what the financial uh, situation would be. Obviously, he's got enough to you know live on generationally <laughs> it's generational wealth at this point but uh yeah that they would make some deal they would buy him out they would have the two picks um i frankly i'm just shocked that the lakers are not willing to part with a 2029 20, pick because you've got lebron you know pretty much on the on the back side of a brilliant career uh, you've got AD, you've got a pretty good team. Otherwise, you know, you get a chance to add a shot blocker and a solid three-point shooter, an excellent three-point shooter, actually, even though his numbers have gone down the last couple of years. And why you wouldn't give up a 2029 draft pick when you so clearly need to be rid of, of Russell Westbrook's contract really makes no sense to me. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's uh, it's been surprising to me to just hear these talks. And 
I feel like Russell Westbrook, you know, moving off of his contract and adding two quality starters and Buddy Hield and Miles Turner raises the the ceiling for this Lakers team and what they could eventually become. Because right now the Western Conference is loaded. I mean, I was just oh, yeah. casually looking at like the teams the other day and I was trying to put my my projections or my predictions in for where I would have these teams at. And it's like, man, there is like 11 teams that I could see here making a case for a play in or the playoffs. So if I'm if I'm the Lakers, I'm desperately trying to get this roster better because the moves they made are very subpar moves that they made with the cap that they have. So I, I'm curious this. I believe Shamsharani reported this on Monday. Uh, talked about how there was actually talks between you know, maybe just getting Buddy Hield and not Miles Turner and not trading Westbrook. I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, some kind of package of like Taylor Horton Tucker with like Kendrick okay. Nunn and something like that. Uh, did you report on that as well, or was it just? I, I did not. Uh, okay. I, in fact, this is news to me because I, I must have missed. I must okay. have missed that report. And it might have. It might have been Mark Stein. I'm sorry to overtalk. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. I, I must have missed it. But yeah, I mean the Lakers. Again, you've got LeBron where he is in his career. Um, you need you need to get good now. You need to make the playoffs and make a run of the championship now. And, you know, will Miles Turner do that for you? Uh, I don't know, but he's he, he, he definitely brings uh, an element uh, to that team that they desperately need. Um, and I think Buddy Heald would help them because he, he, he spaces the floor so well um so yeah it's a little surprising to me now the question really moving forward is when when do you move miles turner because clearly you have to move miles turner um you know they're in a tough situation the pacers because they have every reason to believe that miles turner is not going to sign an extension to stay here he's not going to he's not going to stay so they have to move him but they're not going to move him for pennies on the dollar. Simple as that. Yeah, and and I don't blame them for not moving for pennies on the dollar because right now I just feel like coming off of the foot injury that, that you know cost him basically the second half of the year, his value has to be lower than it's been in recent years, and and that's not to be you know a knock on him. I think that's just a fact of where it is. So right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pacers go into the season with Turner, then look at it around the deadline. But as it relates to those Laker picks. It feels like only a matter of time before they have to trade the 2029 pick because LeBron enters free agency after this year. So this really is the window that you need to get something done. But have we heard anything as it relates to protections on the 2027 or 2029 first round draft picks? I I have not. I have not. Either have I. That's the one thing I haven't seen reported anywhere because that's a key factor in there. If it's top four protected, sure, not a big deal. If we start talking top 10 protected, all of a sudden it loses a lot of value. Right. No, I agree with you, but I I have not heard anything along those lines. So I don't want to, I don't want to give you bad information or guess. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I want to kind of go back to what you said earlier, like the Pacers know Miles Turner is not going to sign. Like, is that like uh, something you've heard from like the Pacers or from Miles' side of things? Like, you know, it's just like he's not going to resign or is this kind of you just like. Let, let's put it this way. I have every uh, good reason to believe that Miles Turner has no interest in signing an extension here. If if he was interested um, we would have heard about it, number one. Um, number two, you know, you remember the story he did with um, Jared Weiss from The Athletic talking about how he was un- unhappy with his role offensively. Well, yeah, he, he'd have a chance to be the unquestioned five 
five man with this team, but I just don't. Uh, I yeah, I, it's uh, it's not me guessing here. Miles has no interest in staying in Indianapolis. I think that's going to be very interesting because you still have that that part of you know Pacer Nation, the fan base that's really like you know oh we just got to give him a bigger role, got to give him a bigger role. But at uh, the same point, I've always said. We root for the name on the front, not the name on the back. And the Pacers need to do what's best for them and be able to say, hey, if this guy's going to hit free agency and they know that he's not going to resign, you got to be able to make a move that can set the team up for success. So, you know, do you feel that it's one of those where, hey, um, it's just a matter of time until something gets done? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Once again, Kevin Pritchard is in a position where – he has to make a deal under duress. Mm-hmm. He had to do it with Paul George. He had to do it with Victor Oladipo. And now he's going to have to do it with Miles Turner because he knows he knows uh, that he's not going to sign an extension to stay in Indy. Um, so you got to do the best you can for your team at this point. Um, that said, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, Miles is a pro. You know, he, he's got his – his uh, uh, off-season workout videos and all the other stuff. But he's a pro. And, you know, he, he's been able to work through the, the trade rumors over the years. And I, I think, look, he knows he needs to play really well to get the money he wants. And, you know, if he wants four years, a million hundred million dollars or something along those lines, he needs to be really good. So I, I don't think that Miles would come into the season, even though it's a weird situation here in Indy. I think he would play as well and as hard as he possibly can because, you know, as the kids say, you know, you want to get that bag. <laughs> that they do. That yeah, they do. it's a prove-it year for Miles for sure. And, oh, I, no doubt. and I think that's what makes it more interesting to kind of see what this year could be like for him. But you also have to realize, like, you know that he's got more of an incentive to play at a different level. So how much do you buy into that? Because contract years are always interesting. Now, I want to ask you, this is kind of a two-part question. One, how much did the DeAndre Ayton pursuit impact Miles, long, you know, wanting to stay here long-term? And then number two, um, we know that there's been tons of rumors about Miles out there for probably three to four years now. How much of the blame falls on Kevin Pritchard to be backed up into that corner like you talked about, like under, you know, under duress with the Paul George Oladipo thing? Because – I feel like if they would have been able to move off of him a couple of years ago, yeah. um, they would have gotten way more value. And I think they've kind of kind of devalued Miles on their own end of things, in my opinion. Well, by going after De- DeAndre Ayton, who, you know, Kevin uh, Pritchard told me that they thought it was, you know, a 30% chance that they would, they would get him uh, and 70% chance that they would not. And so, yeah, they have. Uh, in many ways, devalued um, Miles Turner. But I still think, just going back to the Lakers trade, I still think they're, they're, they, they need to start the conversation at two first-round picks. And again, these are future, future, future first-round picks. We're yeah. talking 27 and 29. I will, I, you know, I'll be retired. God knows where Herbie, Herbie will be. He's 88. Yeah. You know, Kevin Pritchard probably won't be with the team. So, um, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, put, it puts everybody in a very odd position. I, you know, they didn't – I will say this about the Pacers. They didn't do it for PR reasons, but I think it was a really good PR move 
mm-hmm. for this franchise to show that they're willing to spend the money to go get a player. And that's one thing I wanted to touch on is basically you're talking about how, you know, it is that that PR move, that pat on the back. But how do we label this offseason for the Pacers when we know they're going into like a rebuild, a retool, however you want to word it. But they also were able to have amongst the most money out of any team in free agency. And essentially, outside of re-signing Jalen Smith, you don't really have a new free agent to show for it. So where do the Pacers really go from here? Well, I, I think, you know, they're they're looking at, at what they can get from Miles and Buddy. And then I think they go into next season. Uh, they've got – they'll have their own first-round pick, obviously. They'll have the first-round pick from uh, Boston. Boston. And assuming that Cleveland makes the playoffs, which I think most of us acknowledge is likely. We hope um, so. Yeah, we hope so. Um, three first-round picks. You can do a lot. With three first round picks, um, so I and they're going to have they could have thirty to fifty to sixty million dollars in cap space. And while you know it's difficult for Indiana for Indiana to get free agents, it's, I mean it's certainly not a destination. Um, you can make those uneven trades. You can take on bad contracts and add first round picks in those deals. So. I, I think they're in a pretty good spot, actually. Uh, but they're going to be really bad next year. I mean, they're they're not going to be good. Yeah. And they're probably not going to be good for a little while here. But I like the direction they're moving. Clearly running it back again uh, with this group, which couldn't stay healthy, just was not – it wasn't working. And I, and I, I give Herb Simon credit. He was resistant at the beginning. He liked his little team. Mm-hmm. He he just, you know, he was fine being, you know, mildly competitive. But I think he realizes it's time to blow the whole damn thing up and start over again. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, it was just, it was time. I mean, you, it's 100% right. This, this team was heading in a bad direction of mediocrity. And I think Kevin Pritchard kind of uh, – made that famous phrase treadmill of mediocrity. And that's kind of what it felt like. I was getting kind of tired of watching this team to a certain degree because you just realized they weren't going anywhere. And I think we had Tyrese Halliburton on our podcast last week and just him being so open about this being a young team that's going to go through struggles. And at least it makes you feel better knowing that like you're facing the franchise is buying into the rebuild as well, considering he's a young guy that probably wants to prove himself too to be a leader and an all-star and all that. So Hard to get those accolades when you're on a losing team. But um, I, I do want to go back to the Miles and Buddy stuff real quick. Um, I, I think you said that they're not worried about going into training camp with them on the roster still. But how much of a hang-up has this Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell thing been in terms of maybe being able to move one of those guys uh, off on a trade? Well, I think the Durant thing was was an issue with with Phoenix. They, they would have liked to have done a sign-and-trade um, with Phoenix, but I think Phoenix, you know, they, they've got their own issues. Um, they thought they might be in on Durant. Who knows? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure I know what the answer to that is, uh, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, waiting for the big, the big guys to get moved, it certainly has gotten in the way of what the Pacers want to do. 
and I also think it's just been a roadblock for a lot of free agents. I mean, maybe yes. not the most notable names, but there are still a lot of guys out there that unfortunately are just waiting for the right. Kevin Durant saga to be finished. But, you know, when you talk about being able to acquire larger contracts and trades, right now the Pacers are sitting at basically about $94 million. They, uh, the league minimum is $111 million. So the Pacers are basically $17 million below where they need to be. Are we just waiting to be the third team to hop in on a big deal? Because a move is going to have to be made at some point. I got to think so. I mean, look, I, I know that Pritchard and uh, Buchanan and, and Kelly, they've been working the phones. You know, they 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 tried to get in on some stuff on draft night. Uh, I know that uh, they were very frustrated that they couldn't move up uh, into the top 15 for a second pick. Um yeah, so yeah, it's it it's I would guess that they're gonna make a deal before the, the season starts. I, I think, you know, uh I'm kind of on call here. You know, I'm, I feel like a doctor on call because I really feel like a move is gonna get made. But I will say, and Kevin said this, they are willing to go into the season uh with this group um as it as it currently stands with some with some additions here and there and make a deal uh for you know with with miles before the trade deadline but i think all things being equal they'd rather do it sooner rather than later yeah that's that's interesting for sure and i i know that uh malcolm brogdon mentioned that he thought he was going to be dealt to the wizards to be their starting point guard next to bradley beal on the Woj podcast and the Pacers thought that, you know, getting that 10th pick would have been huge yes. for this year's draft. Um, do you happen oh. to know who the players or the Pacers might've been targeting there in that range? I don't know if they gave you any of that Intel or not. Do not know. Do gotcha. not know. Um, but, but I am curious out of, you know, you had that conversation with Kevin Pritchard. Uh, what was maybe the biggest takeaway that you got from him in that whole conversation? Well, the big thing is just kind of the direction that they want to go now yeah. that, um, you know, that everybody, including Herb, has now um, acknowledged that a rebuild is necessary. Uh, Kevin has tried to rebuild this team uh, once or twice in previous years, um, but Herb didn't want to do it. Herb thought, you know, they could stay uh, competitive, maybe make the playoffs. But I think there there's a sense that it's time, you know, look, Donnie Walsh was able to rebuild this team on the run. I mean, they were at 2000. They're in the finals in 2000. They lost a couple of guys. Smith's retired. Jackson left, whatever. And they were back in the Eastern Conference Finals just a couple of years later. Larry Bird kind of did the same thing after the brawl. There was a couple of years there where you were dealing with uh, Troy Murphy and uh, Mike Dunleavy. Remember them fondly. Oh, yeah. Um, but they got back to being a really good competitive team. And I think Herb has always felt like well, we don't need to reach rock bottom in order to get back on top. But I think I think that's changed. And I give Herb a lot of credit for being an old dog who's learning a new trick. I definitely give him credit, too, because the, the fan base is really, you know, pounding the table for that for quite some time. So yeah. it, it's brought a breath of fresh air like. Although we really, really want to win, this is something different that we, everybody can get behind to say it raises the ceiling long term. But one thing that I thought was really interesting, after the last few years of seeing a big turnover as it relates to the coaches, 
it seems that they're keeping the coaches the same this year yes. you know, for at least the, the clear majority. Um, was that something that came as a, a bit of maybe, I don't know, a surprise or just kind of the right move overall? Because, you know, we're coming off of a rough season, but I don't think it's the coaches to blame. No, no, no. I, I Look, uh, Rick Carlisle's is, you know, he's he's uh, as good as it gets, mm-hmm. uh, I believe. You know, he's he's got his quirks like all of us do, but no, he's very he's very comfortable with with the people he brought with him from Dallas, and uh, certainly Kevin Pritchard is as well. And I, uh, it doesn't surprise me in the least that they have stayed uh, pretty much status quo uh, even after a terrible season. Like I say, I think it's going to be a while, and you guys might be able to answer the question better than me. But I really think this town, as long as these guys play hard and are competitive and are showing improvement, I think this town could get behind a rebuild. And I think that was always the fear here, especially with Herb. The fear was if they're rebuilding, people won't show up. Well, I got big news. They weren't rebuilding last year. Nobody showed up. So I I think this is the right approach at this point. Yeah, I I would say based on the games I went to, there was a bigger crowd after the Sabonis trade in the arena than when, you know, prior to that, even at the beginning of the year, it just felt kind of dead. And I was actually at that heat game. I think Sabonis had to do a COVID test before the game started. Didn't actually start the game. Then he came in off the bench. And I mean, they got murdered that game. They couldn't stop anybody. And I think the heat were without like three of their key players too. So it was a, it was a pretty pitiful game. I was like, I thank God I got free tickets. I didn't have to pay for this, but uh, (laughs) you know, I think my last question here for you, Bob, before we let you go, um, we've talked a lot about Miles and Buddy, obviously, but I'm curious, what is the status with TJ McConnell? Because this is another veteran on this team, probably the lone veteran left if you do end up getting rid of Miles and Buddy with this really young team. What is his long-term future here, especially after that contract they just gave Andrew Nimhart a four-year deal? Yeah, I, I think he's here for a while, and I I, I think they love TJ uh, I, I acknowledge that I love his game. He wants to be here, which is a big thing. Um, I think, you know, like, the, I think Nemhard might be their third point guard um, next season. I think you want to take it slow with him. Um, he, he was not great in summer league. Um, so I, th- I think TJ McConnell has, has a future here, short term, mind you, mm-hmm. but – I think he's going to be very much a part of what they're what they're doing next year, even though he's a quote unquote older guy. I got one last question for you. You know, basically on a similar type of topic as related to McConnell. On the other side, Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice is a player who came in in that Celtics trade. We hear a lot about Aaron Neesmith, probably more because of his age. He fits the timeline of this team. But Tice, say Buddy and Turner are moved. Daniel Tice would actually be the highest paid player on the Pacers after. Is that right? It is. Just over $9 million. The books are getting cleaned up. (laughs) But as it relates to Daniel Tice, do you see him sticking around? Because there's really no word about what his role could be or any praise or anything of that sort. Yeah. You know, that's a great question that I wish I had the answer to. And you're thinking, why do we have this idiot on the podcast? He has no answers. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I, I've always liked his game, it's, you know, unless he's shooting from three, and then I don't like his game so much. But um, 
I don't honestly know what the long-term or even the short-term future is for him. I've always kind of liked this game. And if you move miles, then what do you got? What, what do you got at the five spot? Him and Goga. Hello. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Hello. Isaiah Jackson, maybe a slide Jalen down to the five. I know they said he was the starting oh, four. God. But... Yeah, he's he's a four. That was interesting. They made him the starting starting four without without doing anything. But okay. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. What, what are the options when you think about it? Who else is there? Yeah, it was pretty Isaiah much O'Shea's spot, maybe. O'Shea Brissett right. played some four. Uh, I think Isaiah Jackson's a little bit too small right now to be playing the five every single night. I, oh, no doubt. No uh, doubt. Terry Taylor probably is a little bit more established in the low post than Isaiah Jackson yeah. right now. Um, He's six foot nothing. Yeah, so, I mean, I just, I'm just i kind of curious about everything. And, you know, Goga's another name, Fachi, we've been talking about for the last couple of years. Like, what's his long-term future with Indiana? Because – you know he's on a he's on his last year as well with his final team option. So have you heard anything on Goga and what the team thinks about him? Well, they 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 saw some improvement. Um, he's not quite where they want him to be. He's not quite where he wants to be. Um, but I, this is a obviously. I mean, I'm this duh, but this is a very important season for Goga. Yeah. Um, if he can establish something, maybe they think about keeping him, but. Uh, I haven't seen anything quite yet that tells me that he's a quality NBA player. I mean, he he has flashes. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you move Miles, he's going to get some serious run. And so that might that might change the whole deal. That that, that may change, uh, you know, the way they approach Goga's future. I, I think that's definitely a valid point. Look, we saw Goga get a lot of run when it really didn't mean much towards the end right. of the year. So – really hard to look into what were improvements and what was just having a lot more playing time. So I'm with you on that. But, Bob, as we wrap up, I definitely want to thank you for coming back on. Really appreciate your insight. Pleasure, man. Anytime. Oh, awesome. And tell everybody where they can find you out on Twitter, some awesome content that you have. Uh, on Twitter, I'm a, a, at, at B. Kravitz. And you can find me at The Athletic. Um, just go on The Athletic, uh, subscribe, and uh, make money for me and my wife. Love it. Retirement's coming up soon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, Bob, thank you. All right, take care, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Fachi, a lot to unpack there with Bob Kravitz. What were your biggest takeaways? My biggest takeaways was that man was convinced. He said that Miles Turner has no interest in signing an extension over yeah. here and that it just feels like he's leaving one way or another. And Bob said it with confidence. So at that point, I think that's the biggest takeaway from the episode. Was there something that you think topped that? No, I don't I don't really think so. I mean I was trying to push back a little bit to try to see if he would kind of go into it a little bit more. Um, And really he kind of did. He just basically said, you know, going back to the reporting from last year, you know, miles really doesn't want to be here. And so 
I can get it though. If you're Miles Turner though, Fachi, why would you want to sign an extension here with a team that's rebuilding, a team that's constantly looked to trade you, a, a team that just tried to bring in DeAndre Ayton to show you that they thought he was better than you? I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, Turner's not a pro. And I think Kravitz brought that up. He is a pro, but at the end of the day, you just have to wonder like, how how many times can you get slapped in the face before you're done? And I feel like there's going to be 15 teams next year, potentially more with cap space. I mean, Turner is going to have a much bigger field to pick from than potentially who the Pacers have right now to trade with. It'll be a hot commodity, but I mean, say, you know, say your girl hasn't, you know, cheated on you, but she's looked around and then she keeps coming back to you at the end of the day. It, eventually you got to say, Hey, look, you've tried to get rid of me. A bunch of times. You know what? Now I think I'm going to make the decision to move on. And that might exactly be where Turner's at. So we talked about him being a pro. He has everything to gain from this year. Come into the season in shape with a great point guard. Excel and set yourself up for life. I mean, not that he's not already set up, but when we're talking about potentially, like Bob said, a four-year, $100 million deal, I mean, Miles has you know, every intention to come out there and play his best basketball. Yeah, and there's no doubt about it. I think this might be one of his best statistical seasons, but how does that matter long-term? It doesn't seem like it's going to have any impact because the Pacers seem to be heading in a different direction. But I also like the conversation about Tyson Goga because if you look at, like, the rest of the roster, sure, you can play some of these guys that are smaller at the center position, but I just keep thinking about the guy you talked about on Monday or Tuesday with Grant Assets. Um, Victor Wimbenyama. This is a guy that is clearly the top of the draft class this oh, yeah. year. Special talent can actually hit threes from the logo. Seven foot five uh, wingspan, I think, or seven nine, something crazy like that. So yeah. I'm I'm just very blown away <laughs> by what Victor Wimbenyama might be. And you know, Bob said the Pacers are going to be very bad this year. So I would love to get back into that top three range. Like I'm excited about Benedict Matherin. Don't get me wrong, but if Benedict Matherin's like the third best player on this team <laughs> next year, I'm, I'm totally fine with that uh, because you have Tyrese and whoever you get in this year's draft, hopefully they can be in that top three as well. So I think there's a lot to be excited about in terms of just like the future of this team, even though this year coming up, is going to be here in like 60 days, whatever, 60, 65 days. Like we're not too far away from training camp, but at the same time, uh, I know it's going to be a tough season in terms of wins and losses, but I'm excited to see how these guys develop throughout the year. I, I really am because the, the talent on the team is just the youth. It, it's, it's phenomenal. I looked at it. I want to say Miles Turner, I think, is actually like the third oldest guy. He's 26. I mean, that's where the Pacers are at right now. I mean, you got you got Tice. You got, um, you got McConnell. They're both right in that, you know, 29, 30 years old range. And then after that, I mean, everyone's in their young 20s. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of growing room for this team. But I think that we could finally take pride in seeing them battle, even if they don't get the win. See them, hey, they, play, they played really hard tonight. They took steps forward. Last year, it was like they played hard enough, but they just couldn't get the job done at the end. And those three-point losses really yeah. stung. This year, I don't think they're going to sting. Everything's going to feel like, like a, like a learning process for the future. And I'm cool knowing going into the year, hey, this ain't going to be the year. I could sell myself on that. Yeah, I think to make myself feel better, I'm going to do an inverse standings watch all year long. Oh, that might help. And the more I see the losses racking up, I'm just looking at that W for Wimbenyama. 
So that's what the L stands for for me. <laughs> They're going to be counted as wins this year for Victor Wimbanyama. So it's just tough, man. I mean, I, I get it. It's going to be different because we're not used to rooting we're for not. a team that's trying to lose. And last year, I felt a little dirty, like, oh, yeah, like that was an awesome play by Buddy, whatever. Like, okay, cool play by Terry Taylor. Nice dunk by Ajax. But I'm like, please, just turn the ball over here. Like when, when Buddy Heel dribbled the ball. I was about to say it myself. <laughs> I was at the game, and I was literally cheering uh, it, where I was sitting. I was like, wow, this feels so wrong, man. I cannot believe I'm cheering. And people were like, how can you cheer for a team and, and then cheer for them to lose and call yourself a fan? It's like, listen, I see the bigger picture here, and that bigger picture was Benedict Mather. You can make an argument that Buddy dribbling off of his foot was one of the biggest plays of last year. It really was that big of a play and in, in the wrong direction. But yes, nonetheless, it was a monumental play. So in the end, I mean, look, we got the guy that we wanted, Benedict Matherin. I think that that was, that was huge. So everything worked out. But this year, I mean, you talk about Victor. Look, I don't know if someone was to get the number one pick. I don't even know if it's possible to create a trade package for him. We'll see how things shake out. But the Pacers are setting themselves up to be able to present this godfather-like offer if they're close enough because they already have three first-round picks. You already have a boatload of cap space for next season, depending on what you do for the rest of this offseason. So they, they are, they're setting themselves up to be in a spot where they can make that big offer, when in the past, they really haven't been able to do that. Yeah, no, no doubt about that, Fachi. And I, I just want to say this as we wrap up. Um, this episode, obviously, will be on YouTube. We did a video conversation with Bob Kravitz. Um, we're really, really trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. So I know that Fachi usually sets me up for this at the end of the episode, but oh, we're, yeah. we're here now. But I just want to say, y'all, please do us a solid. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell a stranger. Hey, subscribe to Setting the Pace of Pacers podcast on YouTube. Uh, They got some really cool interviews up there. We're going to have some separate content on that channel once the season starts because I want to do some things a little bit differently next year. That way you're not getting like, oh, I already listened to the podcast. I don't need to go watch it on YouTube. want to give you exclusive content on there as well. So we're going to be doing a little bit uh, of things differently there. Um, we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. But please do us a solid and, and keep giving us ratings and reviews as well because the more ratings and reviews we get, the better it helps other people find us as well when they're looking for our podcast. So thank you all so much for the continued support, but I want to get that out there, Fudge. Absolutely. And look, guys, the, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more it just pushes Alex and I to work that much harder to be we hear from you guys. That that's that's the best way to hear from you is to just say, Hey, thanks for this episode. Yeah, loved it right over there. Man, that gets me fired up at that yeah. point. I'm like, we gotta land someone else. Who's the next guy coming <laughs> on the show? So really appreciate you guys. You're the best. But uh Alex, there's probably a question you gotta ask because it's 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 the way to be kicking off and you know, to end the episode, I try to do it myself, but it's just not the same without you setting well, me up for that LU. Well, Fachi, please, can you tell the people where they can find us out on social media? Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden MBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, Tell them once more where they can check us out on YouTube. Man, after that five-minute spill, I got to re-repeat myself. Okay. Oh, yeah. So re-repeat. Um, anyway, uh, YouTube, Setting the Pace, of Pacers podcast. And, and real quick, I do want to give a shout-out to Indie Star beat writer James Boyd. Uh, he is 
you know, getting a better opportunity, I guess, somewhere. I'm not sure what's going on, but he said this will be his last week covering the Pacers for the Indy Star as the beat writer. So just want to give him a shout out for all his hard work and all that he did during this time. So thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, all the great coverage you gave us. But Fachi, if you're excited that Terry Taylor is a member of the Indiana Pacers, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.